0: Autumn, the
1: wind blows colder than summer. Autumn. It's time to vote. It's time to get ready for the holidays. Amazon comes to Anderson and more on this edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast news from people you trust. It has been another great week in Anderson. As most of you know, fall finally got here, and you could hear the collective exhaling as people finally were able to stop sweating and begin to shake the dust off their jackets and sweaters and uh, get ready for fall uh, the dry weather it's the, the driest weather in the 120 year recorded history according to clemson extension for the upstate so it's really cut down on our tree color and on our um The trees are just dying. If you've got a yard or any plants, you know how dry it's been, how bad the drought's been. It's been tough on farmers, too. It's weird how the lower part of the state got flooded. We're in severe drought here. But uh, another sign that this cooler weather and the holidays are coming, Amazon has installed Amazon lockers in all Anderson area quick trip locations for those worried about theft of deliveries uh, or somebody just want an easy way to pick up or return packages to Amazon. Each one has its own name. Uh, There's a story about it. I first reported this story in the area in the Anderson Observer last week. The lockers will be in full operation well before Thanksgiving. Every single quick trip, they have their own unique name. And when you go to Amazon, you can designate you want to deliver to the locker. You'll know it'll be safe when you go and pick it up. You you scan a number. Uh, If you're returning it, it works the same way. Reaction's been overwhelmingly positive. A lot of people are excited about this. Uh, I know Amazon would not give me an exact time frame, but a, spoke- a spokesman for a- Amazon said that they'd had 23 million dollars twenty three million packages stolen in recent years uh, during delivery. So if you've ever had anything show up missing, and uh, you don't have to worry about that with Amazon this year. Also, with Christmas coming, our local groups, which help our neighbors, they all need your help. It's a good time to remind everybody that again. AIM has a list of food items that they need. And they want to make sure that everybody sees that list. It's both on their Facebook page and on their web page. There was a story about it in the Observer last week. Uh, Watch for updates because I'll be running updated stories on that all along. Uh, The Haven Arrest also still needs food for the upcoming Thanksgiving meal. Give them a call down there. Last year, the Haven served more than 2,500 meals to our neighbors in need. And that number grows every single year. So also a big shout out to First Presbyterian Church for partnering with the Haven in the last several years to provide more space and allow to feed more people and to get more volunteers involved. If you want to be a volunteer, or if you want to find out how to give food or what they need, check out the Haven's Facebook page or their website, and they'll tell you all that information, or just give them a call down there. The Foothills Alliance Festival of Trees is less than two weeks away. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but make plans to be a part of that. Foothills Alliance provides services for victims of abuse, mostly children, and the Festival of the Trees is their biggest annual fundraiser. Uh, Again, check out all the details on that. They have great trees. If you're um, one of those people who likes Christmas but doesn't like the hassle, you can go buy a tree completely decorated and set up, and they will wrap it, deliver it to your house, set it up, and you're ready for Christmas. But check out details on the Foothills Alliance Facebook page, or you can check out the Foothills Alliance South Carolina website. Both of them have all that information. And if you're looking for a place to celebrate Thanksgiving without all the hassle of cooking yourself, and want the best food in town, there are a few reservations left at Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, which has its annual Thanksgiving dinner. As always, this podcast is made possible in part by Solomon's of Anderson, Anderson's finest dining establishment for special occasions, dinner, lunch, and just about anything ate down there a lot. I'll be down there some this week. Uh, Sullivan's has been listed as one of the top 100 restaurants in the United States and is one of only two in South Carolina to grab that honor. The other one's down in Charleston somewhere. They've been featured many times in Southern Living. They've been in numerous culinary magazines and on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, which not many culinary establishments can claim. Bill Nickerson, his wife, Saber took a real chance when they opened Sullivan's in downtown Anderson almost 20 years ago when it was just about a ghost town. And we owe them a huge debt of thanks and they helped really kick off the renaissance of downtown. They also offer catering. Sullivan's offers catering at rates most people can't believe. They're more competitive than you would you would think. I've had several friends who compared them to some of the uh, even uh, places they thought would be much cheaper. When they called Sullivan's, Sullivan's actually was cheaper and had better Sullivan's food. The people there are dressed like chefs. It's very professional. Uh, you don't get um, caterers showing up in T-shirts and shorts and, you know, not very professional. But uh, you can really visit Sullivan's Met- Metro Grill. Dot com For more information, to find out more about them, check out their Facebook page. And remember, nobody gives back to this community more than, than Sullivan's has over the years. They always provide top quality food and co- top quality banquets for many of our nonprofits. And this year, they're offering a gift certificate to those who donate to Meals on Wheels. And you can visit Meals on Wheels of Anderson's Facebook account or the Meals on Wheels Anderson website to find out more about how you can both help Meals on Wheels and get a gift certificate for Sullivan's. Well, Sunday's Anderson County Veterans Day Parade, again, did a wonderful job paying tribute to those men and women who have served our country. Um, If you let it slip up on you this year and didn't make it, you're not alone. Word did not get out as well as it has in past years on the event. And I think part of that was in the past, uh, they had Angie Stringer helping them out. And Angie's got a new position and is busy with other things now. So I think it was kind of left to, to some new people to figure it out. But it was a good day and a great event. Beautiful weather. Nice crowd showed up. Uh, this week has a lot going on. In addition to that, the annual Fur Ball is at the Blackley uh, end Thursday night. Uh, it's the fundraiser for the Anderson County Humane Society for animals. Uh, you can check out their Facebook page on the, the Fur Ball at the Blackley and find out more about that. Of course, the Anderson County Farmer's Market is also open again this week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and they've got greens and other seasonal stuff still coming in. Um, they're also getting ready for the up-day holiday market down there, and you'll, you'll want to make a note of that. And also this week the Market Theater, which is they really did a good job down there. They they really worked hard and brought a lot of entertainment and a lot of good stuff to to Anderson. Uh the Market Theater is uh p- putting on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory again this weekend. So, we, if you're looking for something to do, that's a good place to check it out. And the annual Holly Jolly Holiday Fairs this weekend, and that's at the um the uh Anderson County Civic Center. So, it is t'is the season as they say almost. But before we can carve the turkey or trim the tree, we have to get Election Day out of the way. We've got to get past that. And part of the election fallout from earlier in the year is back in the news. As you know, the Anderson Observer first reported the story of former Anderson County Councilman Eddie Moore and his saga in the Roadie Farms Road incident in, in which Moore took a petition from a local establishment. It was caught on camera, him taking the petition but he was never charged formally with a crime, and no warrant was issued in relation to that case. So uh, his plan to close the road, after all, seemed to have worked out for him. Uh, he, he decided to do that after the, he lost the primary in June. So this week the road was officially deeded over to him. So what happens next remains pretty unclear. The Star Water Iva Commission has an 8-inch water main down that road, which would cost at least $150,000 to reroute. Um, and if, work, if, work visit, if workers don't have access to it on that road, and then West Carolina Tell has put a fiber optic cable on that road as well, which would be another very expensive project to reroute if the road is actually closed to traffic. Stay tuned on that one. Well, election day is Tuesday, and get ready for long lines. But why vote, is there anyone not like me that's just exhausted with this election cycle? If there is, I haven't met them. So let's just let this thing be over. It seems to be the rallying cry. But it's not over until the polls finally close Tuesday night. And a lot of people are asking, just why vote? Why bother? And I just want to throw out a couple of reasons. First, there's some important things on the ballot in addition to the presidential race, which has so, folks so deeply divided, that there's house races, county council races, school board races, and something tucked at the end of the ballot that everyone in Anderson County could really benefit from long term. There's been a lot of discussion on this. And that's the referendum on whether or not to change county council offices to staggered four-year terms instead of the current unified two-year terms. Now, there are a number of reasons to vote in favor of this change. Under the current two-year setup, a council member barely has time to get a solid understanding of the way things work before it's time to start running another campaign. Most of the other counties in the state seem to understand this, which is why 43 of 46 counties in South Carolina have staggered four-year terms. It allows elected council members to concentrate more on serving citizens of Anderson County without being forced to shift their attention to running for office only a year after they've taken the position. Uh, There are some who have argued that if congressional candidates are limited two-year terms, why should county council terms be four years? And the answer is fairly simple. Uh, Congressional candidates, state and national, have staffers, many of whom have served in those positions for years to help them hit the ground running. They also have substantial numbers of colleagues in their respective offices who have the time and the staff and the seniority to help newcomers settle into office and understand how things run. County council members, on the other hand, are serving part-time positions with a single clerk and no other staff. Many of them work full-time jobs, and they must work really hard to get acclimated to their office and stay on top of an issue, uh, which can really change quickly. Many issues change very quickly in the county. There are not scores of colleagues who have held office for years to ease them into the job. They're pretty much on their own. They're just thrown into the deep end, expected to get it. So four years would also allow council members to be stewards of the county's best interest instead of being squeezed into becoming proxy votes for their district's controversial issues. Um, this allows for the long-term goal when looking out for what is best for the entire county and its citizens long-term, and council members could sure use that. It could also have the additional benefit, as it has in other counties of the state, of attracting more qualified candidates who would be interested in serving at least a single four-year uh, term, but they're put off by the specter of having to run every two years or getting in office and having to get ready to run again and raise money and run an election. So I am voting yes on changing the current system to one that better serves Anderson County, and I hope you'll at least consider that and at least look into it and study it as well. Um, There are other reasons to vote as well, not just those things I've mentioned. Higher voter turnout means our democracy is more representative, and the fewer people that vote, the fewer ideas that could potentially be represented are not represented. Um, Nearly 80% of people with yearly incomes over $75,000 or higher voted in the 2012 election. But only 60% of those earning less than $50,000 a year uh, voted in the 2012 election. So, you know, that tells you that the the people with more money are voting. And if you want them making the decisions or if you want the working class, middle class people to do it, then you need to get out and vote. Uh, By age, voter turnout participation from older Americans far eclipses those under the age of 30. So if you want older people to make all the decisions or if young people are interested in politics, then prove it by voting. The margin of victory can also be really important in the House and Senate races, so it can change the way government works by getting out and voting. And also, finally, voting is a critical right that many people have suffered many, many hardships to win and one that other countries in the world are still fighting for. So taking it for granted and staying home just because there may be some lines is really a a weak excuse. So put on some comfortable shoes, take you a bottle of water and a paperback book, and get in line Tuesday to vote. Lines are going to be long. And a better than 75 to 80 percent turnout is expected in Anderson County. They said it could even top the record uh, 2012 turnout. I'm sorry, yeah, the the record turnout in um, 2008, when uh, President Obama ran for his first his uh, first time in office. So if you want to find out more about it or look at a, a sample ballot that's exactly what'll be on your ballot, go to scvotes.org and it'll show you a sample ballot. You put in your name and your address and it'll show you the exact sample ballot of what you'll be voting on when you get there to your precinct. It'll also tell you which precinct you're in, and you'll be able to go vote on Tuesday. So no matter how tired you are of all of this, and no matter how long the lines are, let's get out and vote. I hope everybody will be out at the polls, and I'll see you there. Before moving completely away from government, I did want to say I find it disconcerting that county council has again kicked the can down the road on the vehicle fee. Uh... All council people the other in Tuesday night's uh, meeting seemed to be in agreement that something has to be done, but they all wanted to wait until the new council was seated in January, which again, is an argument for four-year terms. It seems short-sighted, and it's also a, um, a proposal that would have taken care of, the $30 proposed fee would have taken care of the repair of county roads and bridges, which carry an annual price tag, tag of almost $7.5 million, and the fee was defeated uh, with only uh, Mitchell Cole, who proposed it, voting for it. And uh, Gracie Floyd was not at the meeting. But um, before voting for the, against the ordinance, though, council talked about how the state and federal government's not going to help, how we have to help ourselves and taking care of our roads. Uh, they talked about um, something's going to have to be done, and then five of the six who voted, voted against the ordinance. So we'll see how much enthusiasm there is in January for a new look at the matter. New council members Ray Graham and Craig Wooten will be welcome additions to council for no other reason than their age. Both are under the age of 50, and we need younger men and women to participate in local government, and I'm really happy to see those guys coming in. And, uh, of course, if you haven't heard the news, uh, the Craig Wooten would have had an opponent on Tuesday's election. In fact, her name is still on the ballot. It's Democrat uh, Liz Carey, but Carey and her family moved and they ended up being two blocks out of the district, so she had to drop out. So she was she gave a drop out. If you want to read her, the reason she dropped out on the op-ed page, it's the comment is free page. On the Anderson Observer, you can read what she said there about why she had to drop out of the race. But speaking of local government, somebody who's not up for re-election that I talked to recently was Anderson Mayor Terrence Roberts, who gave me a really good overview of what's going on in the city. Uh, mayor Roberts has really grown into a strong leader and a great mayor over the years he's been in, in office. And... I had a chance to sit down and talk with him just a couple of weeks ago about what was going on in the city of Anderson and what he's got in mind for the future. What made you want to run for mayor? I'd been involved in the
0: community, um, being a small business owner. I joined the chamber and did all the stuff that small business owners should do within the chamber and served on some committees and kind of got my feet wet in regards to that part of public service. And so was around a lot of good people at that time. Um, um, Al Norris, um, Bill Law Watkins, Harry Finley, some of the people who had kind of set the bar in regards to giving back to their community. So kind of got involved in that. And so, you know, started chairing things like the chamber and the YMCA and and other things like that. And so... um, I just thought it was the running for office was maybe the natural progression from um, the nonprofit on boards uh, to, I guess, being a politician. I didn't have any political experience, but, you know, I I knew how to... um, Run a meeting and how to be a policymaker and set budgets and vision and so forth. So that was not foreign to me, but um, politics a little different. The government moves a little bit slower than than some of the other private sector or nonprofits. So here we are.
1: Has it been about what you expected? or have you been surprised by anything? Or you know,
0: there was not really uh, you know when I became mayor. Um, there's no playbook. You know, and and you can go get some training. Um, and as far as um, things that the National League of City does, and new new employees, Municipal Association of Anderson. So you you do get some some basic training and things like um, uh, how to run a meeting and budgeting. And so again, I had that experience. Um, but you know, it was more of a for me. It was more of a time when I. Learn how to maybe bring my marketing, maybe, and sales skills to city government. And if anything, I think we learned how to tell our own story um, and how to market ourselves a little bit differently than, than we had done in the past.
1: Just taking a half a step back, you're an Anderson native, grew up here, everybody knows your dad. How, how have you seen the city change in the time you've been growing up here?
0: Um, you know, the 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 city um my dad came here in nineteen fifty one from Nashville. Um he um, was a coach and my mom was a teacher Tell she, people
1: who your dad was. Yeah, William
0: Roberts, uh, Westside High School. He coached um uh, and taught at Westside coached for uh, forty seven years, only job he ever had. And uh won thirteen state championships in those forty seven years in uh football uh, boys and girls basketball, my mother was an English teacher, so you know that history of being here i was um the oldest of four boys they had and um and so i I've had a i guess a front row seat of of how Anderson has evolved you know you start looking at um you know I'm a civil rights baby, and um I did um um, segregated schools styles I was about in the fourth grade and then integration occurred. So I was right in that middle where, you know, um, it, the, the community, and I'll talk specifically about Anderson. I mean, just due to the fact of, you know, people like my dad, Boyne Wakefield, um, um, you know, uh, some of the other um, administrative people, education-wise, um, from, from Hannah, Joe Hazel. Um, those people like that. So integration was fairly smooth here. And so, um, and then we went from, you know, learning how to live together. And, uh, and it's always been somewhat of a cohesive um, um, community in that regards.
1: Since you mentioned that, tell us a little bit about the Church Street project. We just, just yeah. finished up.
0: yeah, yeah, we are um, uh, just finishing up that project. Church Street was uh, a place in the in in the um, um, the early. 1900s, uh, where black commerce happened. It was um, um, several blocks of places where you receive services, where you, um, restaurants, um, haircuts, um, um, doctors, um, professional services, and that's uh, where where black people in Anderson and the surrounding community receive services. And so uh, I, I kind of, uh, I can remember as a little boy walking down to so this kind of, reminds you of a, a New Orleans type of atmosphere if you've ever been to New Orleans, kind of overwhelming with the sounds, the sights, the smells. At certain times of the day, you know, it transformed itself um, like any city. From the morning to the evening. And so, unfortunately, um, when uh, integration occurred and people had choices, black people had choices, and some of the businesses uh, didn't survive, and then you had the whole aspect of the, the urbanization of America, where malls created existed and it hurt blacks and white businesses and so um, um, Church Street declined, and the buildings deteriorated and and they were torn down and so we had an opportunity, I think to do something special um, to commemorate those businesses and those people who um, that paved the way for a lot of blacks in the community and um um, Church street is a, a, a pocket park um, that will be used um, to commemorate that site we'll have um, we just won a um, a couple of different grants Duke Endowment um, gave us a sixty thousand dollar grant to um, do things like um, I can see um, um, to enhance the stem project where you know there will be field trips that can come down to the park i think uh a meeting three at the restaurants down there were like fifty-eight cents. So you tell kids, okay, it's fifty-eight cents. So what is uh, what's the value of that today? And so you know that's that, and, and, and plus it's community vibrancy, it's um, the education piece, uh, the entrepreneurship part of it, and so uh, it's going to be pretty neat, and it's right in the center of of of, of um, what I think we have the Blakely Inn at Steve K. Um, completed um, six years ago, I guess, now. And, you know, that's a little uh, boutique restaurant that, um, that, that the occupancy rate is more than what he thought and what we thought. And um, it, it's allowed him to do another project that should be online uh, within the next couple of months, and that's the Blakely Station. And Blakely Station will be a... Um, a um a, 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 a venue where um we can actually um seek you know um, four or five hundred people um, I think they've already got some proms already scheduled um I think what Steve saw is that the community was um Losing some events, do places like the Madden Center in Clemson or the Point Set Club in Greenville just because we didn't have that venue, uh, intimate venue where you could could host you know four or five six hundred people.
1: Yeah, he brought the hotel back downtown after all.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: You and I both grew up here, and we remember that, you know when we were small, every storefront was full, every business downtown was full, and Church Street was still kicking. Yeah, know? and then we. As we lived here, watched, like you said, the, the malls and the strip malls mm-hmm. and everything, pull everything out of downtown, and now we're watching it come back. And a lot of that's been since you've been mayor. I think, uh, I don't know, there's not probably not a one-thinking point. I guess Sullivan's reopening his restaurant right. 17, 18 years ago was a big deal to get things moving. But mm-hmm. where are we today in terms of progress in Anderson, and what have you seen in your 10 years as mayor, how much progress we've made in revitalizing downtown Anderson?
0: Yeah, no, good question. I, I think... Um, a lot of it, a lot of the physical activities has happened the last 10 years on my watch. But having said that, the, the, the council, the mayor, the previous mayor, had made an investment in just the infrastructure part of it. Um, and, you know, every, and, and that goes back 20 years, that, that part of that plan. And, you know, every thriving com- community has um, streetscape. Um, it has parking garages. It has that infrastructure piece of it, and um, that's one of the things. When I do go out of town now, the first thing that jumps out at me when I walk into a city, I don't care if it's um, San Antonio, Austin, or I was just in um, Hartsville, South Carolina last weekend, is the infrastructure. You know, sidewalks, places that you know the, the, the that whole aspect of that infrastructure. And so that was in place, I think, over the last ten years. We, um, I think, um, working with other organizations, nonprofits, like the chairman, I think the the leadership class that decided that um, the, the whole concept of the block party. Uh, came out of the chamber leadership class, and I think our part of it was, that's a good idea, but we had to support it, and so the city supported that, and we um, support the current block, part, uh, the, the the block party project, um, but um, um, I guess, um, and I'll say this, um, you know, we um, uh, alcohol sales. You know, I mean, it, it, 10 years ago, you know, you, you couldn't have an adult beverage on sidewalks Anderson, so we had to amend that. And so I think that was part of it, too. But I think probably, Greg, probably what I've seen happen is is that usually 10 years ago, we were like a, a Friday, Saturday town, you know, and, and Monday through Friday. You know, when government closed the town, just kind of government workers left. And slowly but surely, the block party started a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then you had some um, other um, restaurants that came in. And so, you know, you had, um, I think, John Angel. You know, and and Jay Peters and and what he's done, that part of that has been big. We talked about Steve K. with Jeff Waters. um, Bill Nickus. Yeah, Bill Nickus, John Glenn, Cobb Oxford. You know, you had a lot of local people that invested their dollars in in downtown. Tommy Dunaway. You know, Tommy Dunaway invested his money um, to renovate. Uh, that space right now, um, that um, that the the wine bars in and the upstate living. So you had people who came in invested. So slowly but surely, it's kind of crazy. But you know, I mean, it's a it's a seven day a week thing. I mean, um, you look at downtown after five o'clock, and there there's parking problems Monday uh, through Sunday now, and that's a good thing. And so um, when you have construction, um, I told someone the other day, especially um, when Steve is building his event center, you know, uh, when you have cranes in the air, and I had a crane and a couple bulldozers, so uh, when you have that type of activity, I mean, good things are happening
1: you got a lot of people living downtown now, too. And that's a change. People are moving back downtown. Uh, you mentioned Steve and Jay or, yeah. uh, and Steve K are creating uh, spaces for people to live right. downtown. That's always an important part of revitalizing the city, right? Oh, no, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think probably, you know. The Calhoun's full. The Calhoun's full. I, I think uh, when I talk to our economic development people, you know, uh, we think we have an excess of 100 people living downtown. Um, from an economic development point of view, we have, um, they're talking to um, developers who are looking at um, the apartments and, and other ways of having people live downtown. Um, a story I like to tell here recently, um, probably five years or so ago, um, uh, Knox White, and Mayor Greenville called me and said, hey, we're, we're going to have a retreat at the Blakely. How is it? And I said, it's a nice place, you know. And um, he said, we also want to come and look at your 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 um, council chambers. Apparently Greenville's council chambers are not up-to-date as ours are, and he wanted his council to see what an up-to-date council looked like in the video and so forth. But I say that at that council meeting, um, their, their, the theme of that council meeting was, if, if Greenville's so great, who aren't people living downtown? It's five years ago. I think they saw that problem, you know. And so going forward, uh, we don't want to be Green. We want to be Anderson. But I think one of the issues is is that people want to you know, they want an urban setting. They want to look down, live downtown, and apartments work.
1: What do we still need downtown for to get more people living downtown? I mean, I guess spaces to live in, but
0: spaces to live in. I think we um, we we need um, uh, a little more retail. I think we've done a good job with our restaurants. But, you know, we need things like um, Coco Bun, the the chocolatier who came out of our downtown challenge. Um, And um, if if he hadn't been there, uh, it's good chocolate. He has a hard time keeping his product on the shelf. Um, I see people going in daily. And so, you know, you you need people. You need an, an attraction to draw people um, into your community um, other than strictly restaurants, you know. And so I think, you know, if we can um, do some retail, I think retail is important.
1: You know, if you go back to the old Anderson, we've got two drugstores downtown, you know, a Mm -hmm. green grocer, those kind of things seem to need, you know, I know Greenville's even, they finally got a, uh, uh, it took them years to get a, 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 a drugstore downtown. Right. Even with all their growth and development. Yeah. A drugstore and then, you know, some sort of green grocer kind of place. And then you suddenly have all the elements in mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. What role has Carolina Rim Park played in, in the revitalization of Anderson?
0: Well, I, I think probably um, <laughs> it, was a, um, it was an eyesore. You know, and we had to eliminate that eyesore, and um, it's kind of interesting. I think at some point in time, you know, I think we're all to the point. I think council was is that if anything, let's just you know knock the buildings down and make it a green space, plant grass, make it a park. But I think you know, um, um, and we we had a a great um, uh, Neil Workman with trail. Uh, Christine Tradesco, the architect, they created a place where it's more than a park. It's a venue. It's uh, the waterfalls, the the water splash pad, um, the 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 wedding venues, and so you know it's created a sense of place right in the downtown of Anderson. I think one of the advantages of Anderson is is that it has a it has a contact a compact downtown. It's a walkable downtown compared to. Um, Spartanburg struggles with that right now, as far as the walkability of downtown um, Greenville. You, you you talk to people at Greenville, I think. They wish they had not they wish they hadn't torn down some of the, the the older buildings you can't you know the thing about tearing down old buildings you can't build old buildings back and so we have that unique historical downtown in Carolina in Park is just a, a piece of that 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 really kind of opened up the um the aspects of people coming down to downtown to do something other than to eat.
1: And last winter, you opened up even another reason to get people there in the cold weather with ice skating.
0: Oh, no doubt, and we're looking. It was always crowded. Yeah, and we're looking forward to that again. Um, uh, You know, we made some improvements with the the rink itself. Um, We we got a lot of rain and and still had good crowds, and so um, and and we can show that that um, helped the restaurants. Um, During that course of, of the season. So um, that's going to be a good thing, too.
1: Any other current projects you're working on you want to talk about? Um, you know,
0: right now we are, uh, again, um, we're doing a lot of things. Um, <laughs> Things that we don't want to do um, that we have to do because of EPA guidelines we've got some 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 mandates that we're having to take care of outside of that I think um, i'm very excited about the um, affordable housing project that is happening behind the Westside Community Center. If you had not had a chance to go see that, um, Homes of Hope, they're they're building um, um, some affordable homes, um, 61 Hills is what they're calling it, and um, they're getting ready to start the third, the second phase of that. Um, I think they hope to have residents in those homes um, by the end of the year. And so we have, and they're also with another nonprofit of building affordable homes um, throughout the community. We've torn down almost 400 homes the last 10 years, and we're building them back now, you know. And people, and that's a market where, um, where we have to find people um, who don't have the means of home ownership right now to be able to go in and have a nice place to live.
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of trying to uh, uh, modernize the, the old concept of this project and have some place people feel proud of, and these are, if you've seen, these are nice houses, I, you know.
0: Yeah, and that's, it's, it's about, you know, and again, the, the term we use, and I use a lot, is community vibrancy. And the community vibrancy is the block party. the community vibrancy is um, housing projects that have Parts where kids can play safely, and um, the the vibrancy of our rec programs, and, and having um, things like Lindley Park, you know, which was turned in from a um, a, a stormwater project to a, a beautiful linear park. Uh, we still have high hopes for um, our bike and pedestrian plan that we put together a couple of years ago to where um, where we'll be able to um, uh, connect um, people to from the center city to places like the East West Connector or Lindley Park and some of those things are hopefully will some of those things will come online in twenty seventeen um I, I think um, um, we have an opportunity to uh, as a city to promote healthy, The well-being of our our community by being able to provide them things um, to do physically, um, support um, farm-to-market things like our Fresh Taste um, program, which will be next week uh, in early October. Um, But, you know, the health of our community, if our community is not healthy, we won't thrive.
1: Well, that brings to mind, in the last 10 years, the recreation program has really seen an overhaul and a massive growth. I mean, you brought in Bobby Bevel and yeah. his folks and yeah. all the recreation programs the city's involved in.
0: Yeah, and we just um, um, did an update of that master plan to tell us where we go. Um, the The rec center itself is, um, the membership is booming. They're busting out of the seams. Uh, We need to figure out what we do to enhance that part of it. And, you know, and I think our niche is, I mean, you know, speaking of the health of the community, um, I don't think we compete with, the YMCA. Uh, our, um, our our makeup is more more so um, adults, and they just want a place to come in and walk and 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 not body build lift, but be able to lift weights and stay in shape. And so, um, uh, I think you know our rec program, and we have two gyms there. and We have. Um, created some ball fields we probably need more ball fields uh, as a community um, when when we have people and we partner with the county and the civic center and and with baseball and, and soccer but we we still don't have enough I mean we, we still have you know um, third graders that are playing uh, finishing soccer games at nine o'clock you know, and um, and and that's not a good thing because we just don't physically have enough fields to 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 support um, some of the growth that we've seen in some of our youth sports.
1: And speaking of both, not only the adults and the youth, one of the things the city's done is made it affordable. I mean, you're not in competition, but you you've seen recreation as a as a priority, and y'all have. Um, made funds available for that to to make sure people could do it even if they didn't have $100 a month to join a health club or
0: something. Yeah, I mean, uh, recreation is one of those, um, we make it affordable for our citizens that people live in the city, but it's also very affordable for people who don't live in the city. And uh, in my opinion, um, that's part of government is um, um, providing a service, and that doesn't make money for us. You know, but that's okay because, you know, that's that's part of providing that component of government where you're trying to keep people healthy. And yeah, it drives everything. It drives um, when when um, companies come in to look at uh, relocating here or building manufacturing sites or hopefully, you know, one thing we can capitalize would be on corporate headquarters. You know, I mean, we could, um, uh, if we can entice um, um, a corporate headquarters. I think probably one of the things that we have to 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 do good is is make sure that we um, um, use our, our space downtown. To um, uh, it'd be good to have a multi-story building that did a lot of different things that could house um, a corporate headquarters.
1: What? What's on the plans for the next 5 to 10 years? What would you like to see downtown be? You, we're talking about how much it's grown in the last 2010. Where would you like to see it go in the next 5, 10?
0: I, I just think we need to continue the momentum. I think we need to build the connectivity of, of, of the city to the neighborhoods uh, with bike and pedestrian trail. Um, uh, main, you know, I, I would like to... To see the entire city, our economic, inde- uh, uh, our economic incentive plan, where we seeded a hundred thousand dollars is meant for not only downtown but it's meant for the whole city, and so um, I think uh, one of the things that we've done good over the last ten years is that we we we. we taken downtown to a point where it's tipped and maybe it doesn't need our help as much but uh, we want to see the 81 quarter grow. Um, we want to help businesses out there. We want to help businesses on, on either side of main Street, you know in south and north Main Street going toward the mall um, and we want to we want the whole city to grow. i mean we've got 14, 16 square miles of, of space, and uh, we want to do a lot of infield development and so over the next ten years, I think you'll see um, the downtown area and I've said this before I think um we got a downtown hospital. We have a downtown university. Um, those areas, in, in my opinion, are downtown. Um, um, J.C.'s Restaurant is downtown Anderson. And so we have to expand our people's thinking of what downtown is. Because when an outsider comes in, they just don't see downtown as Main Street. Because they're, they're, they're coming in maybe from a bigger community where downtown is, is more than just your Main Street.
1: Do you see? Do you have any more opportunities for expansion? Because the city has grown some through expansion.
0: Uh, You know, annexation is an ugly word here in the state of South Carolina, Um, but I I think we do have some opportunities, and and it helps our community uh, with even some enclave annexation, donut holes, uh, areas that are in the city um, proper. But you know, it's um, um, from a fire and police perspective. Protection point of view from a safety issue. Um, if, if a fire happens right now in the governor's, you know, I mean that that's not in the city limits. Um, and so if we can, uh, and, and and I think, you know, we, we've looked at the numbers. I mean, we we looked at. Um, if Um, and especially with protection classes. I mean, with our fire station out on on Greenville Street, it's lowered the protection class. So when you compare a resident that is in the city and the county, when you look at property taxes, you look at uh, maybe cheaper water, Um, You look at the fact that you don't have to hire um, garbage pickup if you live in the city, Um, lower insurance costs. Um, We've looked at example after example where it costs maybe $200 more to live in the city than it would in a county, on a county house. And so can we entice residents to annex because of that, because they like you know, we've got thirty thousand people in the city and we got another fifty thousand that sit right on top of us. And so in my opinion, maybe that two hundred dollars is the price of membership for us to be able to do continue to do good things. Uh, and and so, um, we probably don't tell that story as as well as we should be able to tell and that's one of the things that we'll work on over the next five years is um, appealing um, to some of the existing neighborhoods that aren't in the city that are right on the border so maybe it's time to um, to annex your neighborhood.
1: If somebody's watching this maybe they're visiting family maybe they're uh, an economic recruitment team Um, or maybe they're just passing through and having to watch this this video Uh, Why would you say Anderson is a good place to make your hometown?
0: Well, I think probably, um, and I sincerely mean this, I think um, Anderson has always, and people in Anderson have always been able to come together and, and do a project, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, whether you're white or black, um, if, if it makes economic sense, um, if it's something that's going to benefit the community, there's always been a rallying point to to let's get this done. From things like the the YMCA to uh, to some of the other things that that have um, been. Um, created over the years and done over the years. And so um, we're right slab in the middle of one of the fastest growing corridors in the whole country, Um, the I-85 corridor that connects um, Charlotte and um, um, Atlanta. And I think um, through education, uh, through through K-12 education, some of the focuses that we're doing in regards to technical training and tri-county tech, um, our workforce development, along with some of the things that we're all doing um, in our cities. I mean, uh, I'm proud of all our municipalities because we got some cool things going on in all our municipalities. And so um, I, and I'm a little selfish, but I think that that um, cities throughout the state, they still stir to drink. You know, and um, if, if we do well, if we attract, um, if we keep vibrant towns and cities, that's going to help. Our county develop more, and so um, we've got a can-do attitude here, and um, and, and people um, rally when we when we when we put something in front of people and they say, hey, this is something that we need to do.
1: And where's the best place for people to find out more information about the city of Anderson?
0: I would say, our, I mean, our website. Um, we have a, a couple of different um, uh, pathways into the city. Uh, uh, we have a downtown website, we have an economic development website, uh, and the city proper website. You know, you can uh, link into, I mentioned our bike and pedestrian plan. I mean, those plans are, are on the city's website. And so, um, uh, and, and social media. You know, I mean, uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and we put a lot of things out there that I think um, would be able to allow anybody to keep up with what's happening in, in the city of Andrew.
1: And the mayor's in the middle of his third term, and we appreciate him taking time to talk to the Anderson Observer podcast, news from people you trust. Uh, in the weeks ahead, I'm going to talk more about the mayor and the city-county joint Founders Day event planned for downtown Anderson in December, so get ready to attend that at the New uh, home of the uh, Church Street Heritage Park there. You'll have to, you'll hear more about that in, in the weeks ahead here on the Anderson River Podcast. And speaking of December, um, it's early, but I've seen golden reindeer already popping up in the halls of the historic courthouse as the holidays rush towards us. Stay tuned for more. The county's Christmas tree will be going up in a couple weeks. It goes up the week before Thanksgiving, and I'll talk more about that um, probably next week. Uh, before they make that plan it's going to save the county again a lot of money this year so again to show up the savings are going to begin to show up really big this year and how much time it takes to put the tree up and not having to buy another tree and those kind of things well next week i'm going to talk about the election results and we'll have a lot of fun with that and in the weeks ahead i have interviews with all seven anderson county council members that will be serving in january the two new ones and the um five that will be coming back as incumbents so stay tuned for those i'll also talk about thanksgiving and let you know more about the scheduled dates for this year's christmas parades and other big events going on in anderson in our area and until then i hope you'll all get out and vote and also do something to make anderson a better place